listening to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Hi, Dad. Hello, Steve. Checking in again with everyone, seeing how everyone's doing. How are you doing, Dad, in this time, crazy time we're living in? No, I'm doing okay, Steve. I suppose that's the best way of describing it. Um, I'm very lucky that um, Mum and I don't have to keep apart from each other. Yeah. (laughs) Don't have to keep our distance. And uh, we're... We're doing okay. We're very helped with the weather. The weather is gorgeous at the moment out there. A bit nippy, but uh, very, very pleasant. Mm. Uh, and that does uh, lift your spirits a bit. And we're going, we go out for a walk every day, our exercise walk, which we're allowed. And uh, that's very nice. And, of course, where we live, as you know, is a very, very pretty place. So we're very lucky to have the sea and the sand and the, and the lovely walks and that's scenery. True. So that's true. all in all, okay yeah good good well we hope everyone else is doing okay out there it's nice to check in with everyone on facebook and just see where in the world people are and how they're Mm. finding it in their countries um it is a time of coming together i believe that and i believe that we're all uh in communication with each other more so than we perhaps would have been normally um with each other as in us and all of the students as well as um you know everyone with their loved ones and friends and every everyone really trying to rally together and get through this absolutely i can't um, i certainly can't remember and i don't think there has been ever a time in the history of our world where everybody is actually in the same boat mm. and it it's uh, and because of that it's kind of in a weird sort of way linked us all together it's united us isn't it you know absolutely yeah and i don't mind that i think this is a lovely thing mm. even in the fa- face of adversity we've still got that that uh, wonderful kind of camaraderie yeah in the whole world yeah. doesn't matter where they're coming from whether australia canada usa or or wherever yeah you find that uh, everybody's talking the same language we're we're kind of thinking the same things yeah so it's it's something to i think we've just got to reflect back on later on when all this is over and remember these times and say do you remember what it was like well we want to keep it that way if we can i hope so yeah i hope so even when this is all over that it we we all still feel united that we all got through it um and we got together and I think it's going to really change the world as we know it, as mm. the way that we mm. function in this world with uh, businesses, with economics, uh, s- systems and everything. You, you, like it's, it might sound crazy, but just going out yesterday, it felt like the air was sweeter and the skies were clearer in just a few days of everyone having to be indoors. You know, Isn't that- Yes. Do you feel the same way? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I want a bit more of that. Thank you. Because if you think about the amount of the cars, less cars on the road, um, you know, the kind of pollution and everything that, that was going on, it, it, there's a, a significant drop in that um, with people not going out. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of 
obviously there's a lot of downsides to to this and businesses going down and everything like that it's not not nice but it does feel like the earth is resetting a little bit Mm. with all of this absolutely um but who knows who knows but we're all in it together and uh, we're going to keep checking in as much as we can with everyone and we want you all to to keep in contact with us and to more importantly keep creating and keep painting and drawing and doing what you love Mm. in this time um we couldn't we can um, press that anymore. Well, we're going to encourage you as much as we can. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Um, so this episode is the, the last in our sort of three-part Q&A that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And these questions are to do with the business side of art. So we've got some really good questions here. Uh, again, thanks to Teresa who sent these in originally. It's allowed us to really uh, dive deep into to these topics so should we get cracking with the first question dad let's let's go for it okay so these are business related questions and the first question is what is the split of time between creating art and dealing with the business side of things now i suppose dad we can give two answers here because it's changed in recent years but let's go to the beginning when it was yes when it was just me yeah (laughs) That's right. Well, yes, that was that was um, something that I've, I've I've always been a businessman. I I started out um, in business, and before I was ever uh, an artist. So, the business brain and the business way of dealing with it um, came first, and I was really grateful for that because when I started my art uh, gallery, particularly that's when it all really started, um, I treated it as a business and because we had to bring in the revenue. And the art took a second place to that. And it did stay that way for a long time. And as I said, I was lucky. I had business connections. I had business brain. And uh, that helped me with some of the other things that we're going to be dealing with here. So my split time was more business than it was art Mm. to start with. You were lucky in that we've, and we mentioned this before uh, recently about how you could work on your art in the gallery when customers were coming in. So you could, Mm. you could be still creating art whilst running the gallery. That's right. But there was also an ulterior mode to that as well, Steve, because, um, one, it certainly kept me occupied when there was no clients coming in or customers coming in. But really, when they came in, they wanted to know what I was doing. So it's like a bit of an advert, really. Oh, well, I'm doing this. And it gave me another opportunity then to push what we do and what we're doing. Yeah. So it, it kind of like was a double-edged sword in a way. So just out of curiosity, when the gallery shut, um, would you do any art in the evenings? Did I, when the, when I closed the gallery, you mean? When, when uh, the yes. gallery shut. Oh, no, I no, see what I mean. No, when, yeah, when the gallery just, you stopped taking new customers, it closed for the day. Would you do yep. any art in the evenings? Uh, not much, no. No, it was more refined to the day. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've always had that, and I still do to a certain extent. I only work on the art a part of my day. It's never taken over my life, ever. 
and I wouldn't allow it to. It's just the way I think. I think it's very important, especially I had a young family as well uh, at the time, and it was very important for me to spend time with them, mm. and obviously my wife too. Yeah. Um, and create art. So in my free time, no, I, I really didn't do. I used to dabble a bit, but uh, I do a little bit, but um, not to the extent I did when I was uh, working actually on my nine to five job effectively yeah okay good okay the next question is how does being an artist work out financially and she says here i'm not after figures but are there ebbs and flows has it changed over the decades and have you ever been concerned about how it might work out lastly what do you know that you didn't when you first started let's take this question at a time how does being an artist work out financially and are there ebbs and flows Hmm. Well, it wouldn't, it doesn't, and it wouldn't have done with me if I'd just been an artist. I don't think I could have even got it off the ground. I was very fortunate that I had an art gallery, and in that I had framing, and I had, I was selling other people's work, and I had my prints and my antiquarian prints. So it was quite a lot beyond the fact that I was actually painting, because it was yeah. painting then, not, um, didn't have pastel pencils at the time. So the finances started coming in almost straight away, I would say, when I opened the gallery. Within the first few weeks, we were making enough money. I was very fortunate, too, because we had uh, the place we lived in, we were mortgage-free. And I didn't have the financial commitments that uh, other people would have had like, you know, uh, rent and uh, other things. So we were very fortunate there. But that was all figured out before I even started. Yeah. Coming from my business brain again, you see, Steve. I, I knew I knew what I had to bring in mm. to make um, our living. Mm. So it, right from the beginning, the artist's work that I did didn't support me wholly. Mm. And didn't for quite a long time. It was. It was. It wasn't until much later that I could have said, hand on heart, that the artist's work that I do is actually bringing in the bulk of my income. Mm. At and, that time, it was the other way around. And that this time, this is the early eighties, um, mid mm. mid eighties, that you were starting this. And I think it's important to recognize that there is a huge difference nowadays with people um you know the internet and exposure now mm. um this is very much of the period uh, of time that that you were starting in your your catchment area was local that's uh, right and mm. uh you know there, there's a lot of things that depend on the finances um but your your income streams, as you said, they they differed and they changed. You know, uh, as you went out and you did demonstrations and workshops, it it you know th- there was financial uh, in that. Uh, so, it, being an artist, you weren't specifically an artist, you know, and then you were a, a tutor. And that's right. You know, there's... and and I still consider myself one now today. Yeah, I, I think probably what. Teresa, when she posed this question, really would want to know is how does one start out as an artist and get the financial 
rewards for that? And the answer to that is it's really, really hard to do. You've got to be, even if you're really good at art, if you are really good, what you've got to do is deliver what people are prepared to pay for. Mm. Otherwise, you're not going to make any money. You could be do the most fantastic work and spend uh, months on a particular picture, and it doesn't give you anything at all because no one wants to buy it mm. or buy your prints or whatever. So you've got to be really careful there. I think the best way is to start out as an amateur, to have a, a, another job or another source of income, and then work in your for, on your artwork for yourself more than anything else, to, to be able to learn your trade as such. Mm. Then, if you're lucky, someone will come along and say, gosh, I like that. Can I buy it? Of course you can. It's this much. And then you might do another one, and the same thing happens again. And then you might come. someone will come along, as it's happened with quite a lot of our uh, um, students, would you do this for me? So you start down the commission road. Mm. And that can build, as it has done with quite a few people, but I don't think that very many of our students would say that they could actually earn a living wholly mm. and support themselves from that even now. Yeah. So it's really hard to do. I would say start out as an amateur artist, enjoy what you do, learn your trade, and just see what happens but let things pan out. Don't be too impatient. Mm. It's not easy to do that, though. Yeah. So talking about ebbs and flows, has it changed over the decades? And have you been concerned about it working out? Uh, no, I, I've never. Because I've always put the emphasis on the business side, it's never really concerned me. I've always made... Um, a reasonable living. I mean, you know and that we, we, we're not rich, we never have been, and we never will be. But I always believed that I had the ability, through my business connections and my artwork, to earn a reasonable living. So I don't think it has changed, no. No. In fact, it's got, of course, a lot better. Yes, yes. Actually, I don't know if we went back and said about the splitting of time between art and dealing with the business side of things, how that applies now, because obviously now you can be full-time on creating art. I think it's fairly obvious to people. Yes, I can. Well, if you're talking about right this moment of time, um, my artwork, I suppose I would spend, on average, three hours a day, perhaps, doing artwork. Mm. Because I can, if you think I can do a picture in three days, yeah, possibly. That's an average, three days. But if I was working full time, I could do it in a day. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because it doesn't suit me mm. to do that. And uh, so I, I would say that, but if, if you were a struggling artist, I would say you've got to work almost entirely on it you've got to keep at it mm. I, when I first started I used to I used to spend hours and hours hours of on artwork but mm. so it, 
it can it can vary, and I think again it it really depends on what you need to earn. Because if we're looking at art as a, a, a financially viable proposition, then you've got to work at it, and you do what you have to do to get uh, the revenue in. Mm. Mm. Okay. Speaking of that. The next question is, with a number of different revenue streams, for example, commissions, prints, workshops, etc., which was the most lucrative and which do you enjoy most? The, the um, I think probably I enjoyed, you haven't got demonstrations down there, but demonstrations would be the biggest, the, the big most enjoyable. Yeah. Because demonstrations, that's uh, when I used to go around to art groups and I used to go to um, shows, and uh, they—I really enjoyed them. I, I got a great deal of pleasure out of them. Two reasons, really. One, I was um, centre of attention, which all we all like to be. I was sitting there on my little art stool, and people were coming around telling me how good I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm. I'm Who doesn't love that? There, but, but everybody, everybody loves that. No matter what they say, however, however humble they are, they would love that. But I never let it go to my head. I was never egotistical and, and never will be. But it was still a very pleasant thing to do. And, of course, I was being paid good money for that. Mm. So, And all I was doing then, if you think about it, I was being paid for sitting there for four days and enjoy people bring me cups of tea and lots of people chatting to people all the time and then doing my artwork which eventually once once i'd finished the artwork that went on to become a print yeah. or something else so i was actually earning money doubly mm. so yes that was the most enjoyable my um my uh demonstration work Come to, next comes to that, I think, probably would be the workshops. I do in, did enjoy workshops, but they were hard work, Steve. I've yeah. got a, and I don't want anybody to think that workshops are easy, because they're not. They were, they were hard work. They were enjoyable, but they were hard work. Yeah. Commissions, I didn't enjoy. I never did enjoy, and, I, and I, even if I was doing them today, I wouldn't really enjoy them, because it's a pressure. It's a, a commitment. Yeah. And people who are doing commissions, there's quite a lot of our uh, students that do commissions for people, will know only too well that it's a lot of strain and a lot of... Uh, but you, sometimes you've got to do it. I had to do it from the beginning, and I earned money from it. So it was another source of income. Yeah. But, it, but enjoyment, not really, no. Prints are good because prints, yes, they were enjoyable. Uh, because you didn't have to work then. You had to get the prints. And as long as they were uh, sellable items, um, you sold them. And, of course, you didn't have to do very much work for them except take the money. Mm. And so I think I've covered that. Have I covered it all? I think you have, yes. And you would mm. say probably that the most lucrative was the prints. The most, which is the most lucrative? Yeah. It was no, the no, I wouldn't say it was the prints. No, the most lucrative would have been the... Uh, workshop stroke demonstrations i would say they were the most lucrative okay good good um we've talked about this as well but let's touch upon it quickly now how do you price your artwork very hard to price your own work it's really better to find somebody else to say what do you think this is worth a friend 
mm. or a colleague or someone and and go by what they say because you will always and I always did and still would undervalue my work mm. it's, uh, it's just something you do yeah. Because you never see it, you see, Steve, as other people see it. Other people see your work and think, oh, that's good, isn't that wonderful work? And you look at it and think, are we looking at the same thing? Are we looking at the same picture? Yeah. You learn not to say that eventually, but you do think it still. Yeah. I still do today to a certain extent. The only exception to that is odd, the odd one, particularly the last one we, we spoke about where I did the four, four pencil picture which is coming out yeah. at the moment in stages when i finished that i must admit i was pretty proud of myself now that's not e i'm not ego coming out it was just i was proud of it the way it looked and the way it worked out yeah because it it, it worked out better than i thought it was going to yeah but pricing it very hard yeah. the best way best way i can probably describe it is to, to say and I used to do this to my students. If if you get it framed, double the price of whatever it costs you. So that, for instance, if you took it along to uh, a framer and they charge you forty pounds in UK money, you'd charge eighty pounds for it. Yeah. Now it's not a very good guideline, but it was. It, but it used to work for my students when they used to come in. My, you know, my class members used to come in because constantly I was asked that. What, what shall I ask for this? What shall I ask people to pay for it? And that's my yardstick I used to give them. Yeah, it's, good. it's really hard because I think if if you did that, you're getting the, your frame money back that you would have paid out for, and you're getting. Um, a certain amount on top. I think also the other way of looking at it is you price your work on the saleability of that work. That is, if it was an animal, or uh, especially a domestic animal, then the chances are you would sell it. Yeah. If it was a wild animal, you probably would sell it. But if it was a bowl of fruit, you probably wouldn't. Yeah. See what I mean? So those are two extremes, but your your it's the saleability it's like landscape work if you if you do a local scene to you that people are familiar with the chances are you'll sell it yes if you do an obscure one chances are you won't mm. unless it's particularly good that's true i don't think i hope I, point. Yeah. I, I can go on and on and on about this but i think i've given you a few examples which give you an idea of the difficulty of that yeah yeah excellent okay uh, next question have you had to alter your business model over the years gosh have i <laughs> oh, i don't know how many times i've done that by uh, god yes i have you have to you have to alter your business model depending on how uh, your business is is working out i mean my business started as a gallery um, I gradually introduce um, my uh, demonstrations and my shows. That changed it, and I had to eventually close my gallery because I was doing very well with my classes, my art classes. Uh, and eventually, I closed it all together. I started on a, I think, a three-day week at one time. And then I closed it all together because I was 
all my all my revenue was coming from the demonstrations, the workshops, and so on, and my classes. And uh, I've changed it yet again now because I've retired, effectively. Mm. So now I've changed it again, and uh, I'm now enjoying the um, the artwork. Yeah. And so yes. That's how I've done that. And I think you'd have to water your business according to um, how, how it's working out for you. Because you, when you start in something like I did, you've really got no idea where it's going to end up. Mm. Very true. Very true. And that's, that's a good thing to, to be changing and, or growing organically and diversifying and Mm. you know because we change as well what we want to do changes and what we enjoy changes over time usually mm. um so it's, it's going with that flow um the next question have you had to work hard at selling or marketing your work um well selling my work uh, it, it, see the thing is you we've got to assume at the moment that i'm making a living selling and marketing my artwork. Well, I'm not doing that as yeah. such. I'm doing my artwork as a means to teaching people, yeah. you know, as a tutor. So it's slightly different. But if we're looking, if I was just selling and marketing my work, yes, I would have to work hard at it. Yeah. With no question about that. You have to put, you have to put it in places um, where your people are going to see it. It's easier now than it was uh, years ago because we didn't have the internet. Now we've got the internet. People can put their work online. Uh, they can put it on different platforms. Yeah. And more people can see it. Mm. So probably now it would be easier than it was then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh how do you find your clients? Do you target specific markets and types of people? This is probably not really relevant to us right now, would you say? Because you, no, it you wouldn't be. Like no. You just said well, you don't make money from selling your work. Well, to a certain extent, you could say that you find your clients, if you're doing animals, for instance, particularly uh, domestic animals, you would advertise that you were doing, you would do commission work, you would do pictures for them so that's another you'd find the clients that way and um but i i, I think apart from it that no we wouldn't necessarily that wouldn't apply to me so much mm. but but it would do if you were starting out just as an artist and not intending to do the kind of thing that i did yeah and uh, i don't quite know how that would happen i had a gallery so i could add a shop window so yes. i found my clients that way it's different now with the internet as well, with Instagram and Facebook. You almost have a portfolio online where right. people can find you. Um, you can run Facebook ads and Instagram ads. Um, mm. You know, you can find enthusiasts uh, that are interested in a particular scene. Uh, uh, like a, you can, if you're doing a landscape, you can do a hashtag of the town that you've painted and it will be discovered within that hashtag so ah. there's kinds of you know if you did a picture of broadstairs mm. and you put it on instagram and you put the hashtag uh, in the comments or in the description of hashtag broadstairs then anyone that was looking around broad uh, in broadstairs 
uh, you know, pictures um, of Broadstairs would come across your picture. So, mm. you know, there's there's ways of doing it now, um, getting discovered and things like that, but it's changed hugely. It's going to continue to. Um, that's, a, that's a good idea. Um, yes, I, I think uh, people should take that up. Mm. Um, so the next question, do you have work in galleries? Is the cut they take from sold work worth the exposure that it gains you? Uh, the answer to that is probably no. The, it, it, from the exposure point of view, I never got any anything back from it. And do I have work in galleries? I don't now, but I used to, yes. From the beginning, I had to work in several galleries, and I sold them. And the cut that they take varied quite, quite a lot. Um, because if you think about it, if, you've got a, if you're going to put a, a piece of artwork in a gallery, first of all, it's got to be framed. So you've got to pay out for that to start with. Yeah. And then they would put it on their wall. And then if they sold it, let's say they sold it for £100, they would give you uh, £50 back. Mm. Now, if you take the £40 frame that you've had to frame it in out, don't leave you much. But, and that's just an example. So, mm. no, unless you become – I mean, I, I worked – when I first started, I worked with um, an artist – in Gravesend, and people will hear about that if they uh, read my um, art story. And at that time, he, I used to take it in. He used to frame it for me. He used to charge me for the framing. And uh, then he would sell it, and he would take a cut from that. I don't think it was as much as 50%. I think he put it, it was a percentage, say, 25%, say. And, but out of that, and I'd sold oh, a couple of dozen, I would think, all in all, in his gallery. I was, certainly wouldn't be able to go and live on it no. because it, it was costing me money to do it, I would say. So, no, that is not going to work terribly well. And I'd, just to add on to that is that recently we've, we've had galleries contact us wanting us to do an exhibition, but there hasn't been... a uh, a cut that they've recommended but they have um wanted a fee up front and the fee is quite a lot of money it, mm. it, it was enough to for for not that we would ever do it but it, it the emails come through and i, I looked at them and it, it immediately i thought no there's no way you could you'd no. have to charge a lot of money to make the money back that they were charging for a very small space on their wall quite right it, 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 I mean, it, it just, it, you're talking about exposure. Well, it, it's like the advertising. When I first started, I used to advertise. Not a lot, but I used to advertise. I never got anything out of it at all. None, none at all. I didn't get any, any revenue, hardly at all. We haven't got the kind of business that works that way. Mm. So, no, the answer is probably don't go down that road particularly. Yeah. Unless you, unless you want to. Mm. okay uh last question do you exhibit at trade shows and fairs is the fee for the space worth how much art might be sold i don't really know very much about that because i never did it 
I never exhibited at trade shows. I used to go to trade shows um, quite a lot. And the fee that um, I used to have to pay out for um, was more than covered by the amount of revenue I got back. But I don't do that anymore. But that, 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 was, that wasn't for selling your artwork, was it? That was for selling no, pencils? That was that was selling, that, exactly, Steve. Yes, it wasn't selling my artwork. I used to sell all the pencils and my prints. I used to sell my prints there. Your packs? And my packs, yes, the packs. I never sold artwork there. Yeah, you were coming at it from a tutor, tutoring point of view, a teaching point of view. That's right. Um, That's right. But I never did it. I never did it as I never exhibited my artwork at trade shows. Mm. And uh, that's, I think this is what um, Teresa was getting at. Yeah. And is it worth how much? I remember, I remember there were times where, you know, you would have a really good show and there was times that we'd come and visit you on the Sunday as you were packing up and you're like, I remember hearing you say, I don't know if it was worth it, you know, for what, you know, some for the, the however many thousands it was for the for the store. No, it wasn't. You know, and it was a lot. Of, I know it was a lot of work for you. I remember seeing you, the, the amount of work it, it would be. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it was, some of those were a bit of a struggle. It, it certainly was. And I, I, because I had a backup all the time, because I had the gallery and I had my, uh, mail order as well running at that time I, I didn't really have to rely mm. on the amount of money that the shows but I, I used to think when I first started that uh, whether I I was a bit perhaps misled to start with thinking well you go to these trade shows Colin you know you get your name known and I suppose that is true to a certain extent but uh, it's it, it, I wouldn't say that it did me a great deal of good. Not in that. I, I think that my my all my other uh, outlets, you know, the workshops, the demonstrations, all of that was uh, much more lucrative. Yeah, it's really hard. Actually, in a nutshell, really trying to make it as an artist. And as a living, as an artist, is going to be really tough. And you either need to be very, very good. You either need to be um, doing what people want to see and want to buy. Uh, or you go down the road I did. And that is you combine it with a business plan of mm. some kind. Mm. And it's not easy, though. Mm. Better to stay, if you can in the amateur area mm. and go from there. Another thing you could do, and this can work, is to join art clubs, art groups. And they have exhibitions and you can exhibit in those exhibitions within that exhibition. Mm. And that is much, much easier to yes. do. Yes, and it's, it's important as well to highlight that the world is with technology now is, is rapidly developing and changing in that there is a lot of opportunities out there to capitalize off the exposure mm. one can get through Instagram or Facebook or social media in general. Pinterest is another platform that's very good. There's websites mm. out there called red 
artwork.com where you can actually upload your artwork and people can buy prints or even like um, posters or iPad covers or phone cases or mugs even like all kinds of things and even though the percentage you get is quite small there is no work for you in producing any of that or shipping it or anything they handle everything for you and that's just one example of a website where you could monetize Mm. your art not saying everyone will want to do that but there are certainly we're coming from a, 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 a snapshot in time uh, of of how it was and it is still everything you're saying is still valid that it is still very very difficult but I just want to raise people's awareness to um, it, doing their own research as well as listening to this podcast on mm. how other people may be doing it with technology that is out there now with the internet yes you're probably talking to the wrong person here with me I think because I I'm, I'm only going by by the experiences that I've had and uh, just listening to you there, um, it's all gobbledygook to me. But I, I think that this is so, that what you have, Dad, is wisdom. And this is this is why Teresa sent in these questions, because that you have a really solid, strong foundation of how your career was, is, and the experience that you had and the wisdom that you gained along the way. And that is a real foundation and good building block for people to go, right, okay, this is how it worked for Colin. Now, how can I take that uh, and apply that to today's world? And how can I build upon that? How is it's going to make people question their, like you said, their business plan of, of if this is something they seriously want to do, how can they do it and how it worked for you? Like everything you say is I've said in this podcast has been incredibly valuable. Um, but just to sort of um, summarize it with, my experience of the internet and social media and trying to add that Mm. as a layer on top of what you said is certainly Mm. to recommend people to explore um the the promotional opportunities out there on the internet and um yeah and just to do their own research as well as listening to this podcast yes that's true Mm. if 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 what i've said over the last three podcasts help people then i'm delighted that it's done so oh, uh, but um yeah. it's only the it, but but it, it's 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 my story and uh, mm. you've got to look at it as my story there's a lot that we haven't said and people don't know about us yeah a lot of the, the some of the decisions i've made from the beginning when i first started someone said to me you you know you ought to open your own gallery that was the first thing that tony said to me and when at first I, I thought, well, that sounds great, but I don't think I could do it. To now, where we've got uh, a very, very big um, internet uh, business, but it's all done because I took opportunities as they came along. Yeah, and I think that's the best advice I can give at all uh, to everybody that um, when an opportunity comes, whether or not you want to do it or you feel afraid to do it or you're nervous about doing it, if you feels right, do it anyway. Mm. And that's what it, that's what it uh, did for me. There are times I would have backed out and not taken something if it hadn't been for your mum. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, give it a go and um, talk me into it. No, okay, well, I'll give it a go. But once I started out on that and uh, I realised that what I was doing did actually work as long as I followed my nose, Yeah. Uh, irrespective 
of my feelings and my hesitations, it does in the end work out. Yeah. So, it's the only thing I can say. Take the opportunities that come. She's brilliant for that. Mum is brilliant for that. She has made us question and think of things um, differently and uh, added so much uh, value and steered the ship almost at times where, you know, we've kind of got ourselves into a, not a rut, but into a, a stagnant place. And she's gone, why not this? Or have you thought about this? And forcing us to think bigger. Um, there's mm. a lot of credit goes to mum in all of this journey and story. Of course. Well. Of course. Um, okay. Lovely. Okay, dad. Well, thank you so much for this. I think that people will really find this interesting and valuable. Uh, I found it interesting. I've enjoyed talking to you and hearing what you have to say. I've had to say over the last three podcasts. Um, thanks again, Teresa, for sending over the questions. If people have more questions, then please send them over because this is what these podcasts are for. Mm. To, to share the wisdom that you've gained and uh, we can't do that unless we are prompted with uh, topics and questions well we can come up with them ourselves but they might not be as interesting <laughs> that's right oh no it, 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 you're absolutely right we've, we've done the whole podcast series that we've done has been down to people uh, commenting and saying well, how about this or questions mm. we wouldn't be able to do it otherwise wouldn't we We'd have we'd have stopped after about half a dozen, I would think. You know, we'd have run out of steam. We're at seven years. We've been doing this podcast. Have we really? Good gracious me! Yeah, seven years. It's it's mad. I, I sent a link to someone yesterday who was asking about pan pastels, and I sent them a link to a podcast we did in 2014 <laughs> when, when we talked about it. <laughs> wow! Um, so it goes to show these. There's a lot in these. I hate to think how many hours that we've actually recorded in total but there's an awful lot of information across these i'm really proud of them mm, good oh, and, uh, and we've enjoyed them too mm, definitely so. lovely okay well thanks everyone for listening that's it for this week i'm stephen bradley and i'm colin bradley enjoy, enjoy your week, week.